Hey, I'm Danny Levy, and you're listening to Digital Transformation and Leadership. This is the show where we go behind the scenes with today's top business leaders to understand how they're digitally transforming their company. This week, I'm joined by Ross Bruce, President and COO at Continuous Networks. Ross, welcome to Digital Transformation and Leadership. Thanks, Danny. I'm uh, super excited to be here. Yeah, really excited we, we made this happen. Um, so just before we get started, would you be able to, to introduce yourself and, and what it is you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So as you uh, said, my name is Ross. <laughs> I am the president of a company called Continuous Networks. We are yeah. based around uh, New York City area. Mm-hmm. We specialize in cybersecurity, compliance and disaster recovery. And a uh, bit of a funny story. I think I told you this before. I really love telling stories, so hope you don't mind. I'm going to start off with a story. No, go for it. Me too. I like <laughs> listening to stories. Um, so it was 2009, and I was running a web hosting company. Mm-hmm. And very, very different than the type of company I do today, which is very relationship-driven, less number of customers, higher touch. That was high number of customers, lower touch, uh, very transactional. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it was all online e-commerce, things like that. And uh, back then, we we didn't really focus on cybersecurity. That wasn't, I mean, we knew of it. We knew, we knew it was going on. We knew there were threats, but we didn't really take it all that seriously. Mm. And uh, I was hosting my entire customer database in the cloud. And uh, there were all these attacks, like brute force attacks, as we call them, which is just somebody trying to hack your password. They're basically mm-hmm. trying username and password permutations over and over and over again, thousands and thousands of times. And these would show up in the logs on the server. And so uh, what happened was, is that my customer database ended up being deleted. Oh, no. And we had no ability to invoice. We had no ability to communicate. We had no ability to really do anything. Mm-hmm. And it took us seven months of putting the business on hold and rebuilding our entire customer database from scratch by wow. making phone calls, going through paper records, uh, begging a lot of people. It was pretty brutal. Yeah. But it's the reason I tell the story is because I know we're going to talk a little bit about cybersecurity today. And that was the catalyst that drove me towards caring as much as I care about cybersecurity today mm-hmm. because I know what it feels like to have that pain, that loss, that downtime that business that that I almost lost yeah. that was at the time my ability to pay my mortgage to put mm-hmm. food on the table for my family um, you know other people depended on it the people who worked for me depended on the business mm-hmm. and because of that lack of awareness and that lack of being preventative I ended up in that that situation and that's really the reason that continuous networks to exist today this is why we've gone into cybersecurity yeah amazing great story and uh, it is so important isn't it if you if you've ever had the unfortunate situation of, of losing something or having to go through something like that I guess it, it completely changes your perspective doesn't it it goes from a you know something in the background or, or, or something you've got to do to like a nice to have to a must-have really doesn't it yeah I mean it you know you don't take the problem seriously until mm. it happens to you or, or we say this with most things today yeah, but yeah. the fact is there are plenty of things where we do you know we buy car insurance ahead of time yeah. <laughs> we buy life insurance ahead of time yeah we put locks on our doors and our windows we buy security systems for our homes we do all of those things you know we go to the doctor mm. so it's not un- it's not unheard of for us to be preventative or proactive with our lifestyle mm. why do you think it is that people often put cyber security out of their mind or they think about it later 
they don't know what it feels like to experience the loss. Hmm. And okay. they go around with the false sense of security that it can't happen to them or that they're not a target. And mm-hmm. so there are bigger, more important things going on in their business that take their attention. And it isn't, there isn't enough awareness or understanding of the potential of the threat of the loss for them to take action. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to be talking about um, three truths about your company's cybersecurity today. Really, really interested and really excited to get into the topic. And it's three truths about your company's cybersecurity that you, you're you not ready to hear. Um, and when I hear the phrase technology support, I think of a bunch of tech people who answer the phones and solve technical issues. But when we spoke previously, you walked me through how it's so much more than this. So. I thought it would be great if you could help the listeners understand what a modern technology support company does. Yeah, and you know, I, I should say, that's a great question, I should say <laughs> that uh, it comes from the fact that that's what we have, that's what we've created. As technology people, this is the mindset that we've created yeah. with companies and business leaders because we've always acted in this sort of volunteer firefighter capacity where you call on us when something's down, when something's broken, when something doesn't work. And if everything works, then you ignore us. Mm-hmm. And so it's our, really our fault for driving this because we didn't demand a seat at the table. We didn't say, I want to understand the goals of the business so that I can help make strategic decisions that will help the business, that will drive the business toward achieving those goals by using technology. Mm-hmm. And so the modern technology support company isn't just there to pick up the phones, answer the emails, make the computers run fast, uh, install antivirus. They're not just do, there to do those basic things. Mm-hmm. They're there to have that seat at the table, understand the goals of the business, and to help those goals be achieved through technology. Yeah. And, and those can be many different things, obviously, but a, several of the ways in which that's accomplished is obviously being proactive and preventative with cybersecurity, having plans and processes in place to prevent downtime or prevent data erasing events, Mm -hmm. and really understanding how you can implement certain efficiencies or leverage certain economies of scale or tools that will automate a business's processes to help drive costs down and efficiency up. And you mentioned around having a seat at the table. So, you know, technology, cybersecurity needs to have a seat at the table. Do you see that starting to happen um, with companies that you work with? Are you seeing that change or is that still a bit of a barrier? With the companies we work with, it absolutely is a change because Mm. we, and I hate to use this word, but we force that change. That's part of the service that we deliver to those companies. So if they get to the point where they're actually interested in doing business with us, that's not crazy to talk about. It's not crazy to do because they know that's coming and they've made the conscious decision that they want that sort of relationship. I think the obstacle lies with so many of the businesses who don't understand that because their mindset is different. Their mindset Mm -hmm. about what technology is is just not the same. And so they really struggle making that leap to what does this mean? And, and usually that comes from some sort of major event that takes place in their business where they experience that loss. And maybe you've had a conversation with them before, maybe you've met with them, maybe they've received marketing materials, but that's what generally gets them to come and say, okay, mm-hmm. I'm willing to listen now. I don't want to play with this fire. Yeah. I, I understand what you mean. 
Yeah. And and who is that person internally? Is it the kind of chief information security officer? Who's the person that should be that voice at the table, you know, talking to the other executives, the other decision makers to make sure that, you know, this is being discussed at the important meetings and strategy decisions? Yes, and I'm very glad you asked that. <laughs> That's a very important question. And it depends, the answer really is it depends on the organization. Yep. You can have a smaller organization where you might just refer to them as the IT manager or maybe the IT okay. guy. A larger organization, you can have a CTO, you can have a CIO, you can have a CISO, a CISO, which is just a chief information security officer. Mm -hmm. So it depends upon the type and size of the organization. I generally refer to all of these people, even though I probably shouldn't do this, it just makes it easier for having this discussion internally, as IT managers, meaning yep. they are responsible for the technology of that company. Is there a way in which you think companies can change the perception of that department, the IT department? Because, I mean, for a lot of the companies I've worked for anyway, sometimes you go to them just when you've got a problem or you, you, you see a, a new update or integration and it's slowing down your your way of working and it becomes a bit of a frustration and you're not you're not seeing it as maybe a, a value add or, you know, I guess, I guess this goes back to the, the seat at the table, but... Is there anything you think companies can do around that just to, so people are always on board or, you know, you, you know what I mean, right? So there's less of this silo kind of stuff going on. Well, I, I think that the business results are not tied in. Yeah. There's a disconnect that goes on between the people that are really responsible for handling the technology and the high level decision makers like your CEO, COO, yeah. Yeah. CFO type personality. And really, it's just because the pain point is different. I, mm -hmm. I do believe the IT managers understand it, and it usually comes from the fact that they're overworked, they're overwhelmed, yeah. they have trouble getting time off, they, they don't have enough of the skill sets or resources, they don't know how to ask for bigger budgets, more, more information, they don't know whether or not what they're doing is necessarily correct, or they may mm -hmm. be specialized in one specific area, but they're lacking in others. And so they don't have those types of conversations about how to push for more or they try and it fails. Mm -hmm. And the reason that they fail is because the CEO or CFO, their pain point, what they're thinking about is, man, this technology stuff is really irritating and it costs me, sure does cost me a lot of money. Yeah. And I'm really having trouble understanding what our return on investment is here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so when I'm being asked to spend more money on technology, it's kind of like, do I have to? Yeah. <laughs> is that really necessary? And and that's where the disconnect comes yeah. because they're feeling that way and the IT people are feeling another way and the communication isn't there to cross that bridge. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we, we understand both of those personas. We are both of those personas. Okay. And so we understand how to bridge that gap and get the results without that lack of ROI. And I just wanted to come back to something else you raised, which was around the... Why the lack of cybersecurity and data protection is such an issue for businesses today? Um, I mean, it would seem like you know, with all the the news around hacking, um, businesses would be just much more aware and, and make this issue much more important to them and 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 to making the changes. But um, why do you think it is that businesses just aren't aren't aware? That's a very big question. <laughs> it's a very big question. I wanted to put you on the spot. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
You know, and, and there are a lot of things that are going on today that you would think, as you mm. mentioned, all these hacks that are going on, you think would bring that to top of mind for these mm. businesses. Uh, but the fact is they're just too focused. And, and I say this, but it, the fact is they should be too focused on where it is their business is going and what it is their business is doing. They, they have their own customers to service. They have mm. their own software systems to, to worry about. They have their own marketplaces who are my competitors you know what, mm -hmm. what's going on with my supply chain that's what keeps them up at night yeah that's what worries them and so technology doesn't they don't have that way to tie technology in so that they can understand how it helps them and they don't see how cybersecurity really is a, a, a factor there because mm -hmm. they think well i'm not a, i'm not a target Mm -hmm. I'm not a target. Nobody cares about me. I'm a hundred person manufacturing company. Why should anybody care about us? All we do is this. All we do is that. It's it's irrelevant. So I think we're okay. We've got antivirus. We've got a firewall. You know, we got the basic stuff. We're, we're doing well. We're doing well. And we haven't had any issues so far. And it's that right there. It's that mentality. It's that belief system that is why they lack the awareness because when yeah. you believe you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing you don't seek out new information you don't aspire to learn more if you look at the other side as well the people that are the perpetrators that are doing the attacks they are sitting around planning discussing trying to figure out ways in which they can bypass existing security to to steal to commit the cyber crimes and and Maybe that's what people miss, isn't it? That they don't stop thinking about it. They never stop thinking yeah. about it. In fact, I, I think it's funny if if you say, and, and I'll put you on the spot here. Let, let's see how you react to this. <laughs> but I want you to tell me the first image that lands in your head when I say the word hacker. Hacker, someone sitting in a dark room with some sunglasses on. Maybe it's Neo from The Matrix in 1999. <laughs> right. And someone knocks on the door and he needs to follow the white rabbit. Right, yeah. exactly. And, and that's, that's, what, you know, that's what society has trained us to believe a hacker yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, that guy sitting in the hood in the dark room, hacking mm -hmm. away in his laptop with lines of code. You know, if you've seen the show Mr. Robot, mm -hmm. that's, that's what we think it is. The Precisely, fact is, yeah. the hackers have wives or husbands. They have children. They have families. Yeah. They have to put food on the table. They're worried about their own health. They're human beings the same as we are. They're just fighting on the opposite side of the war. Mm -hmm. And so if you think about it, if you have that empathy and understand, I mean, they're, they're criminals, so you shouldn't have too much empathy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the fact of the matter is they're opportunists. Most of them that are going to attack the businesses we're talking about are not terrorists. They're opportunists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they are looking for a way to profit or control information so that they can make a living. Mm -hmm. And that's what it is. It's about making a living. Yeah. And how effective are a lot of the existing cybersecurity protection that companies do have in place? Are they effective in stopping these people? Or is there a much deeper look that most companies need to take? The right Well, And here's a here's a staggering stat that I'll give you. And okay. I, I I have to be careful not to overuse stats because I do like to use them from time to time. But <laughs> I think there's a reason for that. And as long as you're not overusing, they can be really powerful. But exactly, yeah. every year, you have about a 20% chance of getting hacked. Okay. So if you just think about 2021, you have a one in five chance of having your business suffer a cyber attack this year if you haven't already suffered it yet. Which means that 
if you're not doing the right things, if you don't have the right protections in place, that in the next five years, your business is going down. Okay. It, it's going to happen. It's an inevitability. And the really interesting part about it is that 95% of the attacks could be avoided with the right tools and processes in place. Okay. So think about that yep. for a second, because if you worked with a good company who understood how to create the right preventative cybersecurity approach for your business, mm -hmm. put the right layers of cybersecurity, because cybersecurity is layers, we talk about it like layers of an onion, mm -hmm. put them in place, your chance of being hacked would decrease dramatically. 5% yeah. of 20%. That's massive. Mm -hmm. Massive. When companies as well, when they put in, in place, you mentioned the layers, right? Layers of an onion. What what's can you talk the listeners through that a little bit more? I mean, is there a is there a foundation? How how does that work? So there are some basic foundational yeah. cybersecurity things that every business should have. Mm -hmm. So we talk about everybody thinks of antivirus. What we call it today is endpoint detection and response. We also okay. call it EDR for short. You may also hear it as MDR, which just means manage detection and response. Mm -hmm. All that is is EDR that's got a team managing it or extended detection and response, which means that it branches out to the network layer and it covers a lot more facets of, of protecting your endpoints, your computers. Okay. Uh, and, and usually you wanna have that backed by what we call a security operations center or a SOC which means there's a human element that is there to step in, report, and remediate threats mm -hmm. when they're detected. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Okay. The other one that, or the other few that you really wanna make sure you have as a standard baseline would be multi-factor authentication. Mm -hmm. There shouldn't be any email account, there shouldn't be any VPN account, there shouldn't be any cloud application that you use. Okay. Whether it's Google, Office 365, or anything your company might use, everything should have multi-factor authentication and not SMS multi-factor authentication. SMS is sent in plain text. It can be intercepted. Okay. Uh, an email security platform, which is going to be your anti-spam, antivirus, and mm -hmm. also your ability to detect when an email could be spoofed. That's yep. really, really important today with all the spoofing that's going on. In fact, mm -hmm. between, um, I think it was January and June of 2020 last year, as the pandemic was really blowing up, mm -hmm. email attacks had increased by 600%. Okay. And that has continued to increase um, since then, just because there's so many more people using it with mm -hmm. the, the remote work. Yeah. Uh, awareness training, which is all of your users mm -hmm. being frequently trained, not once a year, not once every quarter, literally several times a month, receiving, engaging awareness training to understand how to create that human firewall, that human shield. And then the, con the mindset in the organization of just having a culture of security, understanding what security is, understanding why we need to be secure so that it's not just this irritating thing going, oh, I can't stand this stupid app that I have to keep putting my code in from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the technology and the processes are just that, aren't they? Until you've got, like you said, that that mindset and awareness that really is ingrained in the culture. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and by the way, those are only five of the 20 layers I usually talk about. Wow. That's, uh, that's a decent sized onion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, you'll be crying yeah. and crying, but only if you don't peel it. <laughs> precisely, precisely. So the, the, the hackers we spoke about earlier and, and the people that are perpetrating the, the attacks, um, how do they go about 
selecting which companies they're going to actually, you know, try and um, steal from or uh, infiltrate. I'm, I was always interested in that. Is, is there is there a method uh, to what they're doing? There absolutely is, and, yeah. and that's that's interesting because there are two ways that this really gets done. Mm-hmm. There are targeted attacks, and there are that kind of spray and pray approach. Okay type of attack that 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 net that's casted so let's talk about the targeted attacks a little bit because those are the ones that we hear about we hear Mm -hmm. about for example in the u.s we heard about colonial pipeline yeah colonial pipeline was perpetrated by a russian group of hackers called dark side that was done um using a vpn account that was no longer in use okay and so they they were able to find the username and password for that account. And I'll get into why that's really important here in a second when I talk mm-hmm. about the other method that, that they do. Uh, this one was a scary one. Oldsmar, Florida, which happened earlier this year when somebody was able to hack into a team viewer account because they were they they had the username and password for it that they were able to compromise. Mm-hmm. And they used it to increase the amount of lie in the water by a hundred times. Now, the water never got released into the town. This was a town in Florida of about 14, 15,000 people yeah. had the water have been released, any type that type of lie in the water would immediately burn through your skin. Wow. So imagine people ingesting that level that that water with that level of lie in it. It would have been fatal to everybody yeah. who drank it. That's like something and, and you'd, so that's you'd imagine a, seeing in Die Hard or something like that, wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. And and that's real. This mm. happened. Uh, this one just happened today, uh, and and this was and this is another interesting point about it about how they're targeting these types of companies. But mm-hmm. there was um, a nuclear engineer in the Navy. He and his wife were arrested for selling secrets about mm-hmm. nuclear-powered warship designs. Okay. To a foreign power agent. So that's somebody being somebody being turned to mm-hmm. you know usually for financial reasons. Yeah to sell information that they have access to, which now compromises a company, compromises a country. So those are the targeted attacks when somebody really wants to get you. The reason why I think most companies think, well, I'm not a victim or I'm not a potential target is because they're not going to be targeted. Nobody Mm -hmm. knows who I am. But the fact that the problem with that argument is that you're missing the fact that most of the hacks are coming because you sign up for Facebook, you sign mm-hmm. up for LinkedIn, you sign up for Instagram, you sign up for, uh, you've got an account on an electronics website. Mm-hmm. Wherever you have your data, inevitably those databases eventually get compromised. Yeah. And when that happens, all of that data gets released out onto the dark web. Okay. Once it's out on the dark web, any one of these hacking groups can buy that information from the dark web. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know how much you know about the dark web, but it's not just to buy and sell passwords. There's nasty stuff out there. Human trafficking, mm-hmm. yeah. drugs. You can hire hitmen, uh, you know, nasty arms, arms dealing, all, all kinds of nasty things that are going on in the dark web. But your username and password now exists out there. If that happens to be the same username and password that you have for an email address, mm-hmm. a VPN account, something else that you use to access your company, sooner or later that data is going to be sold and purchased on the dark web and it's going to be used by a group who is going to be casting a net against every company that they can possibly touch and they're all going to be attempted. And sooner or later, they're going to find something that is a vulnerability and they're going to leverage it the same way mine was back in 2009. And, And I'll tell you something, nobody knew who my company was. 
<laughs> yeah. I was a little tiny company, less than a million dollars in revenue. Nobody knew who I was, and I thought it couldn't happen to me. We just got to remember so many passwords these days, aren't we? Though <laughs> that's a challenge. <laughs> there, there's ways to handle that that yeah. make it easy. But yeah. yes. <laughs> so, I guess for people out there listening to this that are maybe from a kind of a small to medium-sized business, I mean, when they hear this or when they they watch the news, I think the common the common thing is to always default into thinking, well, this is never going to happen to me, or nobody's after my data, or we've got enough protection. What, what do you what do you think when you hear this? Yeah, I mean, we always talk about you know we have we have the the phrase that we always say, which I don't think means anything to them, but it's not a matter of if, but of when. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of that canary in the coal mine phrase that we're always using as a way to tell people you think that you're okay, you think that you're protected, but the fact is, if I asked you the question, how confident are you? Mm-hmm. and you told me you were confident, and I was able to, in 10 to 15 minutes, show you why that might not be the case, you might change your opinion. And, and the reason I bring that up is because they simply just don't know what they don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't understand the different ways that, that you can be compromised. And, and I'll put it to you this way. We, we all, what, do, what do we put on our laptops when we're worried about somebody watching us over those webcams? We, we go out and buy a $5 webcam cover, right? Yeah. And then we flip that webcam cover closed and we go, okay, I'm protected. Nobody can look through my webcam. Mm -hmm. So the way you compromise a webcam is by getting somebody to click on a link and download what's called a RAT, a remote access Trojan. Okay. And that RAT is generally something that can never be detected by antivirus engines Mm -hmm. because it's technically not a virus. Okay. It's just a piece of code that will allow me to take over and look at your webcam. I can, I can take snapshots. I can listen to your microphone. Mm-hmm. I can collect data from your hard drive on your computer, and I can send it out to the dark web. Okay. Now, think about that from a healthcare perspective. Think about that from an insurance carrier. Think about that mm. uh, from a law firm. Think about all of the protected data that they hold whether it be on their own servers, whether it be in the cloud, on their Dropbox, or their Microsoft Office in the cloud, whatever it is. They've got all of that information. And, and I, can look, I can look through your webcam and listen to you and have full mm-hmm. access to your computer and sit there and harvest your data without you even knowing. Yeah. I don't know what I'll find. Yep. I might find something fantastic. I'm not going to go and immediately turn your computer off. I'm not going to immediately encrypt all your data with a ransomware attack because I want to see if you've got anything valuable. What can I Mm -hmm. use? Can I use something to blackmail you? Can I use something to steal information, get your bank account, wire money out of your bank? Which, by the way, if that happens, your bank is not responsible to cover those funds. Not here in the U.S. anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very easy to do. And all I have to do is get you to click on a link. And think Mm. about the number of people that are clicking on links that shouldn't be. Yeah. Yeah, and some of those links that look very, very genuine, don't they? Even even mm-hmm. if you're young and you think you're you're pretty tech savvy, I mean, it's very easy to get caught out. Yep, yep, yeah. And is it is it just this false sense of security then, Ross, that you think people have? Um, just just uh, is it just a lack of understanding? Is that is that the big problem? I think there's a huge lack of understanding. There's awareness, whatever you mm-hmm. want to call it, uh, from a business perspective. 
the biggest problem is that business owners don't get up every day thinking about this unless it's happened to them. Okay. If you've experienced the pain, then you understand the pain and you want to make sure that you don't let that happen to you again. But if you've mm -hmm. never experienced it, you've got bigger problems. Yeah. And so your mindset is, how do I solve those problems? My approach when working with these business owners is not to talk so much to them about cybersecurity. I'll, I'll generate awareness. There's awareness campaigns going on all the time. I do it out mm -hmm. on LinkedIn. I do it on YouTube. I do it yep. on uh, Facebook. But the fact of the matter is that's not the conversation they want to be having. However, no. if you have the conversation that they want to have, you can also have this one. So it all matters the approach that you use when you're talking with them. Yeah. And you're also one of the, the very few voices that you see on platforms like LinkedIn talking about this issue. Well, I, I think there's a lot of people talking about it, mm -hmm. but it's just the way that they talk about it. Yeah. They, and most people that are into cybersecurity and into technology, mm -hmm. they, they use a lot of geek speak. Mm -hmm. They... You know, they use a lot of acronyms that people don't understand. Yeah. And my awareness mission is really about making it entertaining, mm -hmm. making it simple and easy to understand, yeah. and making it relevant to the people who will watch it, making it relevant to their businesses, tying tying all of those things back in. And that's that's what hasn't been done. That okay. That's what's lacking. And so that's why people don't listen. Yeah. Ross, I really enjoyed uh, talking through these these points with you. I think you've. I mean, I thought my eyes were open. I think they're they're open even wider now. Um, I'll definitely be thinking about this a lot more deeper uh, than I have before. Um, just to just to round off, I always like to ask my my guests to share one life or career lesson with the listeners. Yes. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I will try. I'll do my best to try this or tie this back to the idea of being proactive and preventative. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a big believer, and, and this, is the, this is kind of this phrase that I coined, and I, I gave this phrase in a speech that I did about six months ago um, mm -hmm. at a conference, that you can't be truly successful in business if you're unsuccessful in life. Yeah. And I believe that if you're going to practice this idea of being preventative, of being proactive, of, of thinking about problems before they happen, that a lot of that comes from your own lifestyle. Uh, your health, your exercise, your personal time with your family, all of those things are important to mm -hmm. creating the type of mindset that keeps you ahead of these things in your business. And I really feel that business comes from the decisions that you make mm -hmm. in your own personal in your own personal life and that decision making process that you have about how you get results. And yeah. so my, my advice to people is really take a look at what your habits are. Really take a look at uh, the decisions that you make about living a more proactive lifestyle. If you want to know where I got a lot of that mentality from, it was from the book uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear, mm. which is one of my all-time favorite books. Just one of those life-changing, mind-blowing books that you just go, wow, my, my eyes are really open now. I'm seeing all of these things in a different light. And, and truth be told, that's, that really helped me to start to do what I do and talk about what I talk about when it comes to cybersecurity mm -hmm. and running your business in a more proactive way. Fantastic. Yes, yeah, so powerful. I, I, I could not agree more. If we were on LinkedIn now, I'd be sending a heart and uh, you know, liking 10,000. I completely agree. Um, so how can people get in touch if they want to find out more, Ross? 
Yeah, so easiest two ways, visit me on LinkedIn, linkedin.com slash in slash Ross Browse, B-R-O-U-S-E, uh, or come to my website, it's continuous.net. By the way, I should spell that because everybody spells it lacking one of the U's. There are two U's, two people in continuous, <laughs> takes, it takes a partnership. C-O-N-T-I-N-U-O-U-S.net is my website. Fantastic, and we'll, we'll put that, that link in the, in the show notes as well to make it easy for everyone. Uh, Ross, I've really enjoyed talking to you and having having you on Digital Transformation and Leadership. Thank you so much for, for coming on and, and sharing everything with the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. It's been a blast. Thanks for having me, Danny. You've made it to the end of another episode of Digital Transformation and Leadership. If you're enjoying the show, please do leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. No need to leave a written review. Just clicking on the five stars is enough. I'd really appreciate it as it helps the show get found and it helps those listener numbers grow. And we'll be back again next week when we will again go behind the scenes with another top business leader to understand how they're digitally transforming their company. The Digital Transformation and Leadership Podcast is a Blue Aurora Media Production.